0: You're listening to The Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics.
1: Greetings and welcome to Domecast, the news and observer politics podcast. I'm Don Vaughn, here with
0: Colin Campbell,
1: Lucille Sherman, Will Doran, Danielle Battaglia, And today's topic is what's been dominating the news everywhere, and especially here in North Carolina, COVID-19, and there have been new cases announced this week and uh governor press conference today and lucille and will you guys were there what's um what's the latest
0: well the latest is uh governor cooper just declared a state of emergency over coronavirus issues um it's you know state of emergency is kind of a a scary word like oh my god you know it's you know uh, this like crazy emergency but really it's mostly focused at the uh like lack of supplies that you'll you'll be seeing in grocery stores, you know, people going out, trying to buy masks and things like that. And so what it does is it puts in place basically stricter rules on price gouging to help uh, people, you know, if if they are victims of price gouging, basically, you know, the state can be able to step in and make that right. Um, And then also just lifts restrictions on truckers. Um, So basically we can get in supplies to North Carolina faster. One supply that we're not getting in, however, is tests for coronavirus, COVID-19. We currently, as the numbers stood as of noon on uh, Tuesday, I have to think about what day it is that we're sitting here recording this. (laughs) Um, The state has tested 44 people uh, for it. Seven of them have tested positive. There's another 25 tests that are still in the works. And then in addition to that, the state only has like 300 tests left. Um, And uh, Governor Cooper said today that this is not just a North Carolina problem. It is an every state problem. Everywhere in the country is short on tests for this. And there are a couple, I guess, new versions of tests that require different materials, different processes to work. Those haven't been approved by the FDA yet, but if those do get approved, then we could have, uh, I think the governor said, uh, an additional 1,500 tests if that new method gets approved. But for right now, they, there's only a few hundred tests in the state. So
2: um, The other thing that they emphasized today was sort of their recommendations moving forward. Schools, they're not recommending that schools be closed yet. They're recommending that um, people telecommute as much as possible to work. Um, what were some of the other things, uh, avoid large gatherings, kind of mass gatherings. But if
3: you're in the, what, up 65 and up and, um,
2: you like know, high
3: risk. Yeah. Um, I,
2: I think in general, they were sort of encouraging people not to have participate in mass gatherings, but especially if you're in sort of a high risk category. Um, and they talked again, just re-emphasizing: wash your hands, don't touch your face. Um, different things like that. So for now, nothing really crazy is happening in terms of the governor's recommendations. I
1: think um, Secretary Cohen also said that she realizes that not everyone can telecommute. And so teachers and restaurant workers and um, a lot of different jobs or like maybe the company or where you work just isn't equipped for you to work remotely. Um, Or they're not going to pay you that. So, I mean, there's potential economic impact on individuals. Right, which is
2: why it's a recommendation (laughs) not like, you should do this. Right.
1: Um,
2: So, yeah, it was really interesting. Um, I think the fact that the recommendations are more mild than you would expect when they're declaring a state of emergency really speaks to the fact that this is a concerning issue, but no drastic measures are being taken right now.
1: Can it free up funding sometimes too, or, or no, not in this it, particular case? It's
2: possible
0: case. this one was really just mostly focused on the the trucking restrictions and the, the price gouging rules. Right. Uh, and that's like every hurricane, they do that like the week before the hurricane, just knowing that that's the need.
4: We are getting, I don't remember the exact number because my notes aren't in front of me, but like it was in the tens of millions of range um, from the federal government to help with this. They just don't have a start date to when that money is going to be available to us, but that is the feds have offered that up to north carolina so that should be here sometime Yeah, hopefully faster
3: than the federal hurricane relief money that has been rather slow in getting here
1: it seemed like i mean my takeaway from the stuff today and with you know wake county school said you know they canceled field trips but don't have like a particular date so that's a, you know economic factor people's time schedules everything is that there's no timeline yet but there's no way that they would have been able to produce one. They can't say, oh, this is exactly what we're doing for this set amount of time because they're, you know, waiting as as things change day to day. And by the time you guys are listening to this, you know, there could be a lot of of new, you know, all sorts of new information that changes all of this.
4: Secretary Cohen said in a committee meeting this morning that she expects that we'll be dealing with this issue for months. Um, She gave, I'm not going to give the time frame because I don't want to start mass panic, but she said like from the 600 tests we've had now, or I think 600 people we have in the United States to, like, not long from now, we could be dealing with this more severely than we are now. Um, So that's a worry they have. They're working with Medicaid to see if they can cut costs to, like, the uninsured or make it free for them because they said this is more about making sure the mass population isn't getting this illness than one individual. So it makes sense to lift any, like... Mm -hmm.
2: Regulations on that. Um, The other thing that I felt like was one of the most important things she and Secretary Cohen emphasized um, was that we need to be careful of where we're getting our information. Um, People need to be gathering information from sources they trust, um, different things like that. So I think that's super important to emphasize at the News and Observer. We're doing a lot of deep, trustworthy reporting on this issue Um, but I know a lot of people get their information from bloggers sharing things on Facebook or whatever else Um, so I thought that was really important that she emphasized that too.
0: Well and to that point Lucille we have also dropped our paywall that we usually have for all all of our coronavirus stories uh, because we agree you (laughs) you know people need trustworthy information and you know Public health is, you know, more important than, than a paywall. We hope everyone who listens is a subscriber anyways. But <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, if you're not, yeah, you can yeah, I think a website. lot of the bad information that's floating around there and
3: getting people even more worked up than they would otherwise is, you know, not good. We don't, you know, we don't all need to come down with anxiety and depression over this in addition to all the risk that we run with the virus itself. And that was
0: part of the point that Governor Cooper made today when he was declaring the state of emergency in explaining essentially why they weren't urging the cancellation of concerts and festivals and the ACC tournament and other big gatherings, you know, he said, you know, we're really early in this right now. It's not widespread. I mean, we only know of what seven cases so far statewide. And, you know, again, that might rise slightly um, by the time people listen to this, but uh, you know, it's something that the state's keeping track of and is obviously very concerned about and, you know, wary of, but for right now, they're not in full-blown panic mode and so they're not taking the same steps that you've seen in other places other countries you know where they're you know shutting off cities
4: well,
1: canceling
0: per- major events things right. like that preventative
1: versus mitigation yeah. which they
4: yeah. said they're going to move into mitigation soonish but right now we're still in preventative because it's only seven i shouldn't say only i'm sorry for those seven but <laughs> mm-hmm. it's seven right now well, so
1: comparatively for yeah. yeah other things going on. yeah and compared so, to some of the
3: other states that have much bigger clusters
4: I think it says a lot, too, that Governor Cooper is not afraid to go to the ACC tournament this
0: Or week. the Canes
3: games, or I think, as he games. says. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the yeah. man loves his sports, so, I mean, it would take a lot to, to keep him away, but he also notes that he's not in the vulnerable population because
0: he's 62 and not 65. Yes, he was quick to point out when asked today uh, <laughs> that he is not considered high risk, uh, mm. you know. And,
1: and doesn't have any chronic health problems. <laughs> We uh, look at
0: the presidential election and see, you know, all of these politicians who are in there, you know, mid to late 70s. Yeah, let's
3: so. talk Does this mean rallies
0: anytime soon? Because well,
3: they're well, Biden all and Bernie thought, are all in. Yeah, are Biden, Bernie these. and
1: Trump. So what, um, what, what do you all think can be potential impact? I mean, it's over a month. The legislature won't come back till April 28th if, you know, depending on, I think a few of them were over at the building today. Um, but whether or not that changes. and What are the demographics of the legislature?
3: It does skew older. I don't know exactly how many of them are in the over 65 range, but it's certainly a good number. Um, So I think there will probably, you know, if if things continue to ramp up over the next month, there will probably be a conversation about whether uh, the legislature should meet because, of course, that's people from all across the state who come to Raleigh for three or four days a week, and then they go back on the weekend, and they hang out with people in their corners of the state, uh, and some of those maybe corners of the state that, you know, are less prone to coronavirus than the urban areas where it seems to be. We're the ones that have it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I was curious, you know, we've we've seen like a lot of colleges doing let's do everything online. We'll cancel in-person classes and have online classes. So I was curious if there's any mechanism with the technology we have today that the legislature could meet or vote on the most important things without all having to drive to Raleigh. And uh, talking to uh, legislative expert Jerry Cohen, everyone's uh, favorite person to ask questions of, uh, he says the Constitution and state law doesn't really allow for that, like you know. you wouldn't have written, a quorum. These yeah. were really written <laughs> long before there was other ways to hold meetings than all sitting in a room. So they do have to all sit in a room. But um, if they decided they wanted to postpone the session that's scheduled to start on the twenty eighth, you wouldn't need all hundred and seventy of them to come back necessarily. They could have a small number who come in take a vote a voice vote. Uh, to postpone to a later date uh, when the um, situation has improved. I
1: think it's pretty standard that you, like, to take any action, you would you would have to be there. But uh, it's worth noting, again, as which uh, we've griped about, but I'm sure the public doesn't like it either and the lawmakers themselves, that there is no, there's no video in the General Assembly. You can't go back and watch what happened later. Um, that's just what it is there. The technology is, you know, pretty behind a lot of
2: things. Um, couldn't they vote to change their rules, though? Like, couldn't they change the rules? I think
3: some of that is in the law. It may mm-hmm. be in the Constitution. If it's in the Constitution, they definitely can't change that without going with a voter referendum, which, you know, the last thing they'd want to do in the middle of a epidemic <laughs> would be to hold a, an election. I did hear some concerns about uh, the second primary and whether, uh, you know, one of the uh, folks who was, uh tested positive for coronavirus. They put out a press release in Wake County uh, that one of the places they went when they were potentially contagious was to early vote in the primary. Um, And so I think that may cause a concern for the second primary in early May if we're still dealing with that at that time or during early voting. Um, We still don't know whether it's going to be a statewide primary or just for Republican voters in the 11th congressional district out west. Yeah, but Um, I
1: mean, statistically, more people go to a restaurant or the grocery store or get gas than go vote. I mean, yeah, if you absolutely. were talking about sheer numbers of people touching things. Yeah,
3: yeah. well, you know, if, if I were running elections um, and that was a concern, I think the first thing I would do would say bring your own pin because I think that's like the thing that's most germy that I deal with when I go to the polls is that they have the special pins and.
1: Um, or just budget else for a new them. box of pens. but yeah. like, Pins are cheap. Everyone mm-hmm.
0: gets their own special pin to vote.
1: Use your own. It's to an
4: iVoting the pin. Door. There's
0: an idea. Unless you live in a county that uses touchscreen voting, in oh, which yeah. case you can't exactly bring your own machine. Yeah, yeah. can you use yeah. a, a stylus, clothes, right?
4: I don't own one. Well, <laughs> own one. well
0: speaking <laughs> <back> of the- <laughs> speaking of the 11th uh, congressional district, um, Mark Meadows, uh, who you know is going to be vaca- vacating that seat to become Donald Trump's chief of staff, uh, is now self quarantined uh, after potentially coming into contact with somebody. Uh, at the CPAC conference, uh, the, the big national Republican conference. Um, but, you know, it is worth noting that, you know, when he does, uh, you know, return from that self-quarantine over that and get back to it, you know, that'll help North Carolina as we're talking about, you know, federal funding and things like that. I mean, that's going to be somebody who has the president's ear, who's with him all the time, who's from North Carolina, is, you know, ostensibly going to advocate for North Carolina on these issues. Um, so I, I think that's something that uh, could help us. Out there um, and you know on the CPAC angle that's another thing for the legislature to consider like you were talking about Colin you know should they postpone or just kind of have a skeleton session for a while you know I, I assume there were a plenty of or at least a few you know state lawmakers or aides at the legislature who you know went to CPAC or have since you know hung out with people who were at CPAC
4: us. Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
4: just kidding don't call us <laughs>
0: So, that you know, something to for the legislature to consider there as well.
1: And we still got, I mean, that's well over a month and a half away, I guess. And, you know, a lot of this is changing by the day. I think if we mm-hmm. recorded this yesterday and if we recorded it tomorrow, you know, we'd be saying different things. So let's we'll wait and see.
4: One thing Secretary Cohen said when she walked into the meeting this morning at 9, so there was a 9.30 meeting and one o'clock meeting. She was at both and then the press conference in between. And at 9.30, she said she made slides to talk to them the night before about coronavirus. And by the time she got there, they were like all... Like, not even worth using because they were completely different from the information she gave them last night.
1: And they'll update things. I looked at the um, DHHS website today and, you know, just have everything, like, specific about about COVID-19. So, so we'll see.
3: Yeah, Yeah. it'll be interesting to see how much this issue gets politicized and how nonpartisan the response is. I think... So far, it's been relatively nonpartisan, at least at the state level. Obviously, there's been a lot of criticism at the, you know, national level of whether the Trump administration was handling it correctly or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far, we haven't seen, you know, Republicans attacking Roy Cooper for the most part. I did see some tweets from some political groups criticizing him for holding a Florida fundraiser last week uh, before things um got quite as as serious and severe as they are this week um i do wonder how much the ongoing medicaid expansion debate mm-hmm. is going to play into this if there's if this becomes an argument for why you know we should have more people in North Carolina who are on Medicaid versus uninsured um i i could see that becoming a talking point um if it hasn't already
1: and just cost of healthcare in general and i mean, i feel like there's pretty you know long-term discussions about like looking back at how coronavirus like impacted the you know healthcare system just at the state yeah. level mm-hmm. much less federal and i'm sure everyone will bring it up you know when it comes up in session again. yeah I was it's, discussed this morning yeah
3: and if we do have a strain on the hospital system um i think rural communities are really gonna feel that because there have been closures of some rural hospitals in North Carolina. A lot of them are smaller because a lot of people are there are, you know, going for their specialist care and, and major procedures to urban areas. And if you know you're going to the hospital with coronavirus, you may not be traveling two hours down the road. You may be wanting to go to the one closest to your house. Um, and that may be a problem for, for those hospitals. Um, I would be surprised if there was revisiting the certificate of need debate in terms of the regulations that determine how many hospital beds and facilities each healthcare company can have. That
4: is being discussed right now. Secretary Cohen said this morning that, that she has basically told every hospital, well, I shouldn't say every hospital, the hospital she's communicating with to get ready to um, increase the number of beds they have to prepare for this. The only thing standing in their way right now are the lawyers reading the documents to make that happen. So she said they're pretty prepared and, already planning for that to be a thing.
1: Lawyers, insert lawyer joke here.
0: (laughs) Well, reforms to that Certificate of Need program have been uh, kind of a pet issue for A pretty large minority, I'd say, of lawmakers. Yeah, I mean, I've been
3: covering this for five or six years, and it feels like every session the Senate passes some form of certificate of need repeal that would sort of deregulate the system. And every year the House doesn't take it up, and there's a big push from the healthcare and hospital lobby uh, that they like the system um, the way it is. Um, So, you know, we'll just have to see whether
0: anything really moves the needle on that or whether we just bring up the same debate over again. Yeah. But I think you're right that we're definitely going to have that Medicaid expansion debate come up again, whenever they do come back, whether it's April like they've planned or if it's some other time sooner or later. Um, Cause I mean, on top of all of this, you know, coronavirus stuff, you also saw, you know, Vidant is laying off 200 people, mm-hmm. which, you know, doesn't only, you know, run the hospital at ECU in Greenville, but also operates a ton of, you know, smaller health clinics all throughout Eastern North Carolina, and you know if they're if they're laying two hundred people off, that's certainly not a a good sign for the, you know the the health of rural rural healthcare right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, and she is definitely going to come around in in all ways long after. Yeah, the I mean this is right. and this is an
3: election year, so you know to the extent that any existing state leaders or others you know step in it or get criticized for either having too draconian response or too light a response to the the situation on the ground um, you can bet there is going to be political opponents who want to uh, make hay over that um, and you know make the case that they can handle this sort of crisis better and so I think it's you know it's only a matter of time before it becomes a little bit more partisan which could in itself have some public health implications if there's a a lot of criticism at you know president trump or governor cooper and people from the opposing party are less likely to believe their advice because they do not like them as a leader right
1: all right on a lighter note what uh, what was our twitter poll or under the dome twitter poll results last week our dome Let's cast
3: see poll. so we had uh, several options on a much uh, lighter uh, dome mm-hmm. cast week when we were talking uh, election results uh, last time around um, so the lineup of the uh, options we had for folks on Twitter. Uh, the garage polling place that uh, was up in Watauga County we talked about last week uh, seemed to be the, uh, the favorite at 44% of votes. Followed by Vermin Supreme, the libertarian presidential Miles. candidate at twenty-eight uh, percent, which is Will's choice. The first Didn't was mine. To um long pony. Li- voters in long lines at seventeen percent and uh, no preference voters at eleven percent. Sorry,
1: wow, Daniel. <laughs> so you guys, um, when you're listening to Domecast, you can vote in our Twitter poll. It's the at under the dome Twitter account, and we will all retweet it. Also, since Twitter polls give you four choices and there's five of us recording. Uh, the winner of last week will sit out this time, which is you, Colin. All right,
3: I'll shut my mouth in the next segment. I'm sure you all will be so sad not to hear from me.
1: All right, so we'll be back with Headliner of the Week. All right, and we're back with Headliner of the Week. First up, Danielle Bataglia.
4: I'm going with coronavirus because I feel like it's what everyone's talking about. It's what everyone wants to know about, hear about, get updates on... Um, so that's my pick for the week.
0: All right. Well, uh, I'm going with Mark Robinson. I wrote about him uh, last week. He is the uh, one of the Republicans' first ever black nominees for statewide office. Um, he is running for lieutenant governor. He won the primary in that race by a pretty wide margin in a really crowded field, and is just coasting this huge wave of uh, grassroots support. He's a big gun rights activist people really identify with that Um, and there have been a few other black Republicans to run for office um, but if he wins he'd be the first elected uh, to any major office since 1898 which is just a few years Um, so uh, already making a little bit of history and has the potential to make a whole lot more history if he wins in November.
1: All right Mark Robinson.
2: I am anything but coronavirus, so I want to talk about voter turnout. I know it feels like it's been forever since the primary, but um, I'm really interested to see with the canvas coming up, the demographics of voters, Um, did young voters show up um, like a lot of candidates hoped they would. Um, So we already know some of those numbers. We know across the state around 30% of registered voters voted, uh, which... Isn't great, (laughs) Um, but we'll find out more next week. Go vote, people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, my headliner is, I would have liked to say who the Democratic nominee for lieutenant governor uh, election is, but I've been waiting uh, by my phone all day. Of course, I had it with me anyway, but um, for Senator Terry Van Dyne to decide if she is going to request a runoff with Representative um, Yvonne Lewis-Hawley. So my headliner of the week is runoff, question mark. Uh, maybe there'll be a decision um, by the time you all see this.
4: You guys can't see it, but she's passive-aggressively twirling her cell
1: phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just ready. I'm ready to Waiting answer the phone. phone. <laughs> I'm ready, ready to write a headline. Operator
3: Dawn is standing by. So here s- your runoff
1: standing decision. by. Please call her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening to Domecast. I'm Don Vaughn for Colin Campbell, Lucille Sherman, Will Doran, Danielle Battaglia. Listen to us next time.
0: You've been listening to the Domecast, a production of the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the Daily Print Edition or online at newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.